Hello and welcome to the High View Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in the local church. I am your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at High View Church, and today I am sitting here with Joshua Hildebrandt. I don't know why I use your name, your full name, when I introduce you on this mm, thing, Joshua it's just, K. It's just such a unique name. It, just it, ro- it rolls off the tongue. It does roll off the tongue. Hildebrandt. It, it sounds like a like a professional author, which you are. I an am. author. Don't go and search for it. You'll be going to find the best book that has ever been written in the history of ever. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah. So anyway, we are chilling here today at the church, recording an episode. We've had kind of a short week. We had Memorial Day this week. Yeah. So we've had enjoyable. some uh, enjoyable rest, Absolutely. which we're going to talk a little bit about in this podcast today. We're going to be talking about the top five habits a Christian should have. In their life, so this is a uh, it's an interesting topic, right? Because this can vary a lot. We've even gone back and forth trying to figure out what our top five should be. Right. Um, we spent some time de- developing our list on our own, so we're just going to talk through what we think. I tried to find the list in the Bible, yeah, like, but it was I, I couldn't find the, the verse. I think it's in the Apocrypha. That's that's where it was. <laughs> it's in Second Opinions. Yeah. Second Opinions, um, absolutely. Yeah. So there's no again. This is there's no list in the Bible. We're not. You know, referencing anything other than just how we've grown as Christians, the things that have been important to us, and the things that we think every Christian should be experiencing in their walk with Jesus. So we're going to start with five as not least important or unimportant, but five going down to one, what we think is most important. Right. So number five, Josh, what did you have on your list? Right. So um, like Tyler said, our goal here was we kind of sat down and spit-fired, if you will, five um, daily rhythms, or maybe not daily, but just five yeah, rhythms. Just rhythms of the that, Christian life. Of the Christian life. Some of them daily, some of them not necessarily daily, but right. things that you would consider helpful rhythms. And I, it was a little harder to, uh, to put in order some of these, you know, the last three. Uh, one and two kind of made sense. But um, for me, I put my uh, fifth, not as the least important, but as, uh, as it relates to this list, this is where it landed, uh, being fasting. I think fasting is a very important rhythm to have in the Christian life. A lot of good comes from fasting. Um, just in my own personal life, um, there's been seasons uh, where fasting you know, has been more part of my life, and then there's been seasons where it's been less a part of my life, but I found it just to be a healthy rhythm in the Christian life. It, it has a way of of taking our gaze off of, you know, these earthly things that we pursue and think bring us so much joy. And it kind of just forces our attention uh, on, on this reality that we were made for something more than uh, bread alone, right? Like man does not yeah. live by bread alone. And so, so when you're talking about fasting, which fasting didn't make my list, it's not in my top five. <laughs> um, I don't do anything fast. Let's be yeah. real. Yeah. Um, no, I actually, fasting was not really anything I was ever taught much about, yeah. honestly. But when you talk about fasting, are you talking about from food? Yeah. Well, what kind of stuff are you talking about? What should we fast from? Sure. I think it's, I mean, mainly it's food is what I'm re- re- uh, referencing. Yeah. Well, first um, of all, hopefully everyone understands what fasting is. Yeah. It's, it's um, like you, I think you mentioned it's earlier. abstaining, right? Yeah, choosing to not partake in something mm-hmm. that you might regularly partake in for the purpose of focusing on something else. So right. focusing on And that's the key ingredient. Yeah. Like fasting is not just about denying yourself something. Okay. That's not what fasting is about. Um 
you know, that's uh, asceticism, right? Just like hurting yeah. your body for, for no reason. Right. But fasting is about intentionally uh, denying yourself the lesser good so that you can focus on the greater good. Okay. And what it's acknowledging is that oftentimes as, uh, you know, uh, fallen people, we tend to set our attention on the lesser good. Mm. You know, think of C.S. Lewis, uh, his kind of famous quote, is, it's not, how does, he, how does he go, the mud pies? Yeah. You know, it, it's not that, that our desires are, are, are too, strong. too strong, it's that yeah. they're too weak. I love that analogy. And, yeah. and so fasting is kind of acknowledging that that's kind of our normal state, yeah. And it's kind of shaking us, saying, look, there's something greater that our hearts really desire and that our hearts really need. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I've found seasons of my life where that's really necessary. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you said, what are we fasting from? I think primarily food is kind of the, the, the main thing. But a lot of times fasting, uh, you know, from electronics or fasting from yeah. our social yeah. media or fasting from, you know, television or any of those things that are grabbing our attention and, you know, pulling our desire away from, from the Lord uh, is an important, I think, rhythm that we need to, to, to have in our mm-hmm. lives. I think of the song, you know, Come Thy Fount, and it has this wonderful line, um, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone yep. to leave the God I love. Yep. It's kind of this slow fade where we're, um, you know, slowly our hearts are growing dull to the Lord. And we don't even realize it. And, you know, all of a sudden we're, we're not interested in God's word. We're not interested in what he's doing, you know, in the church and in our lives. And, and sometimes fasting is a way just to kind of shake us and put our attention back on the mm. things of God. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I, I think it's interesting because actually I, I say that I was never really taught about fasting, but I've actually heard more about fasting in the secular world than I have in the church world a lot, yeah. just in the, the realm of Christianity that I grew or church life that I grew up in. Actually, now you have a lot of diet ty- dietary fads that are talked a lot about, like the yeah. Daniel fast or uh, what my, uh, my wife and I are trying to do right now, which is intermittent fasting. You know, choosing portions of the day not to eat. And so, I think it would be neat if we could, you know, reclaim this spiritual habit. You know, and and actually teach people. Okay, no, fasting is not just to lose weight. It's right. not just to be healthy in a you know physical sense. But there actually is a spiritual health that can come from learning to not rely on those things right. and fully rely on the Lord. Right. There is great spiritual benefit from fasting. Yeah. Now, fasting can be done in the wrong way. Like, mm. fasting is not a secret recipe to, to like, twist God's arm right. to, right. you know, to give him, you know, to give yourself more, get more of him for yourself or something. That's that's not what the point is. The, the point is, is uh, in, in fasting, is for us to, to realize that he's what we need. Yeah. More so than anything else in this world, he's what we need. And, and we forget that. It, yeah. it's, it's that simple. And, and I think it's a, um, it's a great exercise uh, to have in your life. So if you've never fasted, you know, I would encourage you, um, you know, um, start with maybe, um, you know, a, a meal, it, mm. even if it's just like breakfast. If you're a, if you're a breakfast eater. Now, if you, if you don't eat breakfast yeah. regularly, then don't fast <laughs> breakfast because that kind of defeats the purpose. Right. But if like breakfast is your go-to, you, you love to start the morning with breakfast, maybe you fast breakfast, you know, one mm. day a week, you know, for a month. And during that time, you just pray and you just read your Bible and you let that desire for food. Yeah. When I fast, what I do is I let that desire for food, I feel it, like I'm hungry, I want food. Yeah. And and that's not wrong to want food. God, you know, has made us to desire food. But in that moment, I take that desire and I say, Lord, help me to spiritually have a desire for you that's greater than this desire that I have for right. earthly food right now. 
Yeah, and and that good. just does something in your heart when you connect those realities like that. And so if you've never fasted, I encourage you to do that. You know, fast a lunch or a breakfast or, or fast for a day. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's the goal where you just, you know, wake up and you, you say, this day is dedicated to the Lord. Don't and, don't jump in and try to be like Jesus 40 and do days. 40 days <laughs> fasting. You yeah. might uh, it might not be very physically healthy for yeah. you. So. And there's you know yeah. you need to be wise with with yeah. it how you do yeah. it and um you know and and prepare yourself do some reading on it. But it's a I found it to be a healthy spiritual habit. Um, you know that like I've said I don't want to say that I'm fasting every week or something like that. But right. there have been seasons when fasting has been an important part of my life and it's helped me great spiritually. So that's that's my number five. Great. Yeah. Okay. So my number five is actually the same as your number four which is this idea of rest, yes. the rhythm of rest in the Christian life. And this one we might have to define a little bit. Um, hopefully we have the same definition of, right. of resting. But yeah, I think there is, uh, there's a reality of rest that we're just going to experience as human beings because we need sleep, we need downtime. But I found in, in my walk with Jesus, in my life as a Christian, that there are times that I need to break away. It, it's almost like fasting in a sense, but the idea of rest that I'm thinking of is kind of letting my mind take a break from the busyness and the distractions of, of the world and be able to just settle into, um, into Jesus, into the yes. thinking about him, thinking about his word, um, and, and just taking a break from all the, the stuff in the world. Absolutely. Um, so when you think about rest, because it's your number four, mm-hmm. what, what do you think about rest as a rhythm in the Christian life? Well, I think um, rest is built into our condition. I mean, we have yeah. to sleep, and it's a, it's an acknowledgement of weakness. But I think rest, as it relates to the Christian life, is more so an acknowledgement of God's strength. Yeah, that's what it's resting in, yeah. leading not on our own understanding. Right. Yeah, and and that's not something that happens accidentally. Right. It, it needs to be a habit. Yeah, like you, we have to chill ourselves out yep. and set down sometimes yep. because life is just happening, and we're we're not talking about like going to bed at eight o'clock and waking up. Like you cannot be resting but sleeping, if that yeah. makes sense in yeah. the sense that we're yeah. talking about it. It's a it's a heart posture where you are settled um, before the Lord saying, right, he's sovereign, he's in control. Yeah. I don't have to manage all of this. Right. And, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's a Sabbath rest. It's, uh, it, it's what we need as people, um, you know, and, and I think just uh, regularly practicing that. Um, and then, of course, there is the, the, uh, the reality of resting where sometimes we just need to like to literally stop working. Right. Um, yeah. you know, to, to take a day off, uh, well, to be with our family. Yeah. I've, I've really kind of been thinking about our culture a lot lately in that we are so busy, but it's, uh, there's this mentality, especially in America, not sure about, you know, there's other cultures I'm sure that have this, but especially here, we have this, I, this mentality of production. We have to keep going. We have to keep making money. We have to keep, uh, working to, to mm. make it so that we can rest later. Yeah. so that we can retire, so that we can enjoy life later. And we run ourselves ragged trying to keep up with, you know, trying to make sure that we feel comfortable, trying yeah. to make sure we have enough money, enough, you know, yeah. joy in our home, enough, all these things. And we, we waste our time trying to, man- like you said, manage those things. We end up playing spiritual whack-a-mole, trying to manage our own life. And we basically don't, like you said, we don't rest in the fact that God yeah. is sovereign over those things. We don't rest in the fact that, you know, he is all that we need. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think that one of the reasons we don't understand rest right 
yeah. in the church and in general is because we don't understand work right. Yeah, yeah. Like understanding rest right comes from understanding work right. Like work is not a bad thing. We were created yeah. to work. Yeah. Like we were created to do things, and that's not that's not a part of the fall actually. Right. Right. Yep. Um, the uh, futility of work is a part of the fall. Yeah. But we were created to work bef- before the fall to till the garden and to. Um, you know, uh, to subdue the earth and yeah. to bring it under subjection to the glory of God. So that's part of our calling. And and I think when we when we are giving ourselves to that, like to work properly, like whatever you're doing, do unto the, the glory of God. Uh, when we're doing that rightly, I think that's when we can rest rightly. Yeah. So a lot of us, we're, we have a lot of downtime, actually. We we have a lot of Netflixing, and yes. we have a lot of this stuff, but it's not really resting yep. because we're not satisfied in our work, and so we're not satisfied in our rest. And I think the that's two so, kind of go hand so in good. hand. Yeah, I think there's a, like you mentioned Netflix and things. There's a lot of ways that we we try to self medicate. Yeah, the the busyness, and and so some people take that all the way to you know drinking and alcoholism, drug, those type of things. Um, but also, there's some of us that medicate with Netflix, with social media. We we want to get lost. In, in some other world. Yep. We want to, you know, kind of get out of our own, you know, headspace and get out of our, you know, nine to five workload. And, and we think that's rest, but it's really not. It's yep. adding more craziness. Absolutely. Some of the, the, the times I have been the most weary is when I have chosen to improperly rest. Yeah. In other words, I've had a busy week. And so then I self-medicate by vegging out and just, I, yep. I do something that, that's really not restful to my soul. And so then, you know, the, that time finishes that weekend or whatever, and I start Monday, and I'm really just weary. Yep. And I'm like, oh, i got to do this again. And so I think there's a right way, a right way to rest, and, and that really connects to a right way of viewing our work. Yeah, you know, that's good. They're tied in together. So we've been through fasting and resting. Rest was my number five. My number four was prayer. Um, which you have that much higher on your list. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll yeah. get to that in a minute. Um, but I think prayer is important. Just kind of a, a comment right now. Why we'll, don't you like to pray, Tyler? I do like to pray. Okay. This is this is top five <laughs> of things that are important, not least important. To but yeah, um, I do like to pray. I, I feel like there there are times when I don't pray as, as much as I should. Sure. Um, which may be why it's lower on my list because I just am terrible at praying. Um, I you know that's I'm getting very convicted right now. <laughs> Because it's also it's actually number one on your list. I was like but. making making these lists has convicted me. Yeah, especially yeah. when you rank them like one to five. I'm like, you know, yeah. We're basically we're doing forced rankings here. We're not. Yeah, this is we're making ourselves make this list. But yeah, prayer I think is an important part. We'll get to that later because it's your number one. Um, but your number three is intriguing because mm-hmm. it's not something that's talked about a ton mm-hmm. because it's sometimes awkward to talk yeah. about this. But uh, your number three is giving. Yeah. So why is giving important? An important rhythm. In yeah. Life. Um, well, um, I think it's a an important rhythm of the Christian life because I think it's uh, a natural um, response to mm. the Christian life. In other yeah. words, the, the new birth should create a you know a person that um, was once a person that lived unto themselves. Yeah. Right. But but that has passed away, and, and this new person in place of that should resemble, um, you know, the Savior. And, yeah. and, and I think of, uh, you know, this verse in Matthew, uh, you know, chapter, um, chapter 20 and 28, and it talks about how, you know, the Son of Man did not come uh, to be served, 
yep. but to serve and yep. to give his life as a ransom for many. So when I think of giving, um, you know, my, my main thing as I'm thinking about that is that the Christian posture is a selfless posture. Yes. Um, we, you know, it's better to give than receive. This reality, this exactly. whole, the whole concept um, of, you know, the, the inside makeup of the, of, the, of the person is kind of swapped, yes. you know, from a person that wants to receive to now a person that wants to give. And, and so um, I think giving should be a rhythm of the Christian life, um, something that we're growing in. So, you know, whether that be our finances uh, to the church, um, you know, our, our time, our talents, we talk about being a good steward right. here at Highview. That, and that's a, that's a very yeah. important part of this because we're not just, you know, guys who work at a church, preachers who are, you know, like we see on TV often that are telling people to send their seed money sure. into a ministry. Like we're not just saying you need to be giving money to ministry. Right. Um, you actually need to be giving your whole self over. You mentioned yeah. your time and, and your abilities and talents that God has yes. given to you. We, I think you said that very well. We want to be a, a new person who is fully giving ourselves to someone or something greater than and than just us. Right. So, you know, the, the scriptures talk about that we are not our own, that we've been bought with yes. the price, right? So therefore honor God with your bodies. And and so this this concept that the Christian exists to pour their life out, like yep. they're, they're a drink offering. Yes. And, and so whether that's, you know, we don't have things that exist unto ourselves. Our finances are for the kingdom of God. They're for the glory of God. And and our, you know, our families and our homes, and we need to view those things in that way. We want to be giving people, and I think that um, it's important, you know, as you're growing in your Christian walk, mm-hmm. to have a rhythm of giving. Ask yourself, how does my life show that I have been changed from a person that was about my kingdom yeah. to now a person yeah. that's about the kingdom of God? Um, you know, and, and there's, there's self-checkups, you know. You can yes. look at your checkbook. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, is God an afterthought in that? That's, yep. you know, yep. that's not a good thing. Look at your, your time, um, you know, or is going to church and community, is that an afterthought? Look at your giftings. Uh, are you withholding back things that would really bless the kingdom of God and others? Um, so yeah, giving is an important rhythm, I think, in the that's Christian good. life. Uh, this one specifically I thought about, and I think this could be true of any of them, um, but giving, whether it's money, your time, or your talents, whatever it is, I think it can easily become just a duty yes. that you're you're doing, you're giving because you're supposed to, quote unquote, supposed to, instead of it being a delight That's of that important. new nature you're talking about. Yeah. Giving, I think we need to watch that. So we're not just saying, okay, I'm going to measure out exactly 10%, which we do that, actually. I, I try to um, have tried to be better at giving, you know, even my tithe, because I'm a millennial. You know, millennials aren't really good at the whole giving thing, sure. especially money. Um, but I think we're really good at giving time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and pursuing relationships, but we've tried to be a little more structured in how we're, you know, managing money as well, but it can, I can see how it easily becomes just, okay, I've got to do this because I'm supposed to, rather than doing it, giving as an act of worship, giving as a part of my new nature. That's so important. I, any of these things we're about to mention, yes. the danger of them, they can become legalistic. Yep. 100%. And, and if they're not done out of like a heart posture and out of that new nature, out of delight in the Lord. Um, you know, then then it's a dangerous thing, and we're pursuing something that we ultimately can't keep up. Yeah, like I need grace to help me do every one of these things because I, I fall short, and, and giving is is no exception. Yeah, uh, my number three was community, and by that I mean uh, kind of the more intimate accountability type relationships, small groups, uh, that that more intimate level of community. I have seen that be such an important habit for me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mainly because I'm an extrovert and I need to be around people. It actually has been one of the areas that I found most rest. 
that I get around other people and mm-hmm. I can help those people if they're, you know, other brothers and sisters can help me delight in God more than in other things. And, and it kind of, the people that I'm around have a profound effect on me. Um, and I think that's just a, yeah, it's just a natural part of life. Yeah. I think that's so true. Community for me, um, you know, right after I made the list, I said, man, these, I don't know if we should do a top five because I have so, I have several other ones at least that need to be yeah. honorable mentions, like <laughs> assembling together in community. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, community so many times for me has been one of those things, um, where, um, I didn't know how much I needed it. Yeah. In other words, yeah. I was struggling, you know, whether it be just in my Christian walk or with an attitude or just a rough day or my marriage, whatever the case may be. And because uh, whether I had a responsibility or whatever the case, I was forced kind of to be around other Christians. Yeah. And I left um, that encounter encouraged, um, strengthened, mm-hmm. like I was ministered to. God's grace was extended to yes. me through his body, the church. And if we don't have a regular rhythm of of engaging with the body of Christ, we're, we're literally separating ourselves from that grace that's extended right. to us through the body. Yes. So it's just an important uh, aspect of... Yeah, that's one of the, the things I've, I've figured out uh, just as I've grown as a believer, um, that I actually experience more of God by being with His people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I wouldn't... When I go out to lunch with a fellow believer and I'm struggling and I need to get you know stuff off my chest and they give me wisdom. That's, that's God's wisdom coming at me through another brother. Like that's you, right. like you said, I really believe God works primarily through his people. Yes. Um, we get to see a little bit of God's activity by being the body of Christ. Right. We are his hands, his feet. We're, we're Absolutely. seeing God move by pursuing one another in that community. Yeah, and regularly. and this this applies not just to extroverts. Yes. Right? It doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert. Yep. Like the the body of Christ is is not just for the the extroverts. Exactly. Like it's uh it's it's needed um you know and it's it's not a um just kind of an added benefit. Yeah. Like you know you, this is this is God's way to extend grace to his people. You know, iron sharpening iron and um there's so many one another passages in scripture. You know, so um, d- don't forsake your yes. the assembling of yourselves yes. together. Like Which this. I think has so much more to do than just with Sunday morning, right? right? The, Absolutely, I think it does. Forsaking the gathering, because mo- I, I, this is my particular interpretation of that, a lot of the gatherings that were done in the first century church were in homes, were mm-hmm. over meals. Yes, they would gather for corporate worship, which is we're going to talk about in just a second. But the, I think the forsaking of gathering yourselves together also has to do with just being in those deeper relationships, interconnected yeah. in life. Yeah, and I think one thing that's really important in our context, you know, when you read Scripture, you always have to think of the cultural context. Yes. Like, in our cultural context, there is a sense in which we can assemble together with people and not be with people. Yeah. like, And that's a dangerous yes. thing. Like, you know, churches, I've been in churches, and have, you know, it doesn't matter what church you're at. You can be in a group of people and not be with people. Yes. And and that's not getting to the heart of what assembling together is. I mean, first and foremost is sitting under the preached word. Right. You know, but right. um but then kind of broadening that out is the context of sitting under the preached word with other brothers and sisters who can hold you accountable to it. Yeah. And there's the actually community happening exactly. with it. And you know, and so then that fleshes itself out outside that initial assembly. Yep. Like, you know, and that's just important to have. Yeah. So uh, number two, Josh, what was your number two? My number two was Bible reading. Which was my number one. Josh, why don't you like reading the Bible? Well, you know. um, (laughs) No. I just got me a fancy new Bible. Oh, you did? By the way. Yes. Which I'm 
It was a uh, ESV preaching Bible, and it's it's great. Crossway, yeah, not a they're not sponsoring us, but we'll give them a, a nice plug. Yeah, it's a nice it's Bible, a beautiful man. Bible. And I highlight a mark in my Bible, which if, immediately I was just you know some, some people are going to be enraged. Oh, yeah. they were just like you just destroyed that beautiful Bible. <laughs> I was like, no, I just yeah. I made it my own. Josh likes adding to to the word. <laughs> I immediately turned to Revelations <laughs> and wrote some some notes. Yes. Oh man. Uh, so yeah, Bible reading. Why is Bible reading? Important. Oh, an important habit. Oh goodness. Um, you know, I, obviously my one and two were just sitting here, and I, I described my one and two as being like uh, food and drink. Like, yeah. W- w- you know, as as a human, which one do you need to survive? Well, both. Both. Um, yep. You might be able to survive a little longer without food, but like you need both. And uh, Bible reading for me was number two. I think it's critical to the Christian life. Um, you know, mine is the rare exception of the. Uh, you know, the person in some foreign tribe that just doesn't have a Bible and the yeah. Holy Spirit's meeting them, you know, where they're at. Yeah. Uh, the, the average Christian experience is someone who has access to a Bible. And if you are blessed to have access uh, to that, I say the average Christian experience, but I think more and more mm, people actually that's, don't. That's, that's, that's a great true. point. Yeah. But if you are so blessed to have access to a Bible and you don't read it. Yeah, how, how incredible yeah. is it that we, we probably have five or six Bibles? Yeah. Like I know right now I've got you know, five or six Bibles in a box upstairs at my house because yeah. I haven't unpacked and I don't have bookshelves. And, but there's some people literally around the world that just would, would die for the chance to th- own. Yeah. It's, you know? it's really scary. I think it's kind of like, um, excuse me. I think it's kind of like my young son and, and we're just any kids really in America, I guess that, you know, have all these toys, you know, I go into my kid's room and, and they got all these toys and they have all these things to play with um, and they're kind of just not interested in them because mm-hmm. they're used to them. They yeah. have this luxury, and and there's this um, there's this sense in which we just grow dull to kind of what's in front of us. And my you know yeah. my kids get bored with this stuff. I think we we get bored with the Bible a lot of times, and it's and it's a shame uh, because yeah. we get dull to its glory. And I remember a long time ago, my mom uh, told me this this thing about reading the Bible, and it's never left me, and it's always helped me because you know, as a young kid, she would tell me, you know, "Go have your quiet time, go read your Bible." Yeah. And I just remember being like, "I don't, I don't want to read my Bible." You know, even if I didn't say it, that's kind of the way I felt as a you know seven, eight year old, whatever. Yeah. And um, I remember one day she she sat me down and she said, "You know, Josh, when you're um, when you're hungry, physically, mm. like you go eat and you yeah. get satisfied, you're not hungry anymore." Yeah. Like spiritually speaking, it's it's the opposite. So when you're not hungry spiritually, like you don't want God's word, you feel like, oh, I don't, I don't want that. Blah. It tastes bland. Actually, partaking of it creates appetite. Yeah, the word yeah. of God actually creates appetite. So I tell people that are feel dull to reading God's word, read God's word. Mm. Like it creates an appetite as you read it and as you behold it, it kind of self affirms itself. You know, it has a self affirming reality. You begin to see the glory of Christ in scripture and it starts to create an appetite for the word of God. So it's just critical to the Christian life. Um, I don't think we can live without, I don't think we can grow without it. Um, You know, it is God's prescribed way of revealing to us the person of Christ. Exactly. And that's, that's why I I put that, you know, skipping ahead a little bit. That's why I put it at number one, Mm -hmm. not necessarily that I do enough of it or, you know, I I definitely could stand to read the scripture more. Um, One of the areas that I fall into is actually because I, you know, use it for my job. I get so kind of caught up in, well, I'm, you know, in the church and I read 
the Bible a lot for my job as as a part of a church. So it it's kind of becomes it's more tied to my job than it is my actual life. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be a problem. Um, so yeah. yeah, Bible reading is, I think, crucial for exactly the reason you just said. It's it's how God reveals himself to us. Um, not necessarily because it's, as people have said, uh, the basic instructions before leaving earth. You know, <laughs> it's not the the list of do's and don'ts. I think sometimes um, we we picture it as that. We say, okay, read the Bible because it's going to show you how to live. Mm-mm. It's going to show you why you yeah. live a certain way. It's going to show yeah. you the God who created you, um, the God you've abandoned in rebellion, the God who's calling you back to himself. Yes. It shows you the gospel. Right. I think the Bible does, well, it does many things, but two things that are so important to the Christian life. One, what we just said, it, it shows us who Christ is. It reveals Christ. We see the glory of Christ written on yeah. the, the pages of the Bible, but it also shows us who we are. Yes. And and that's really important because the Bible knows us better than we know us. Yes. And, yes. you know, our hearts are deceptively wicked, right? Who can who can know even our own heart? But the Word of God goes in deep, and it reveals the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I can't tell you how many times I've been reading God's Word, either in the Psalms or something, and, and all of a sudden I'm kind of struck with, that's me. Yeah. You know, and, and I was blinded to that. Like, the right. Bible showed me something about myself that I didn't even yeah. know about myself, and it's true. It's more true than the thoughts I think about yes. myself. And so, you know, it really two, is the, the sharp sword that, yes. that cuts down to even the, the areas of our hearts that we don't really realize. Right. And, yeah. and that, that reality is so important, um, you know, for growing in sanctification and, and a lot of the sin that's in our own hearts, we don't even see right now. Like we don't mm-hmm. even know we're mm-hmm. just blinded to it. And, um, you know, that's why I think Bible reading for the believer is so important because it has this way of, of gently kind yes. of, I say gently, sometimes pretty yeah. intense, but you know what yeah. I mean? Like gently revealing to us, you know, our, our own brokenness, but then it's got the, the grace of the gospel that's woven into it. So we yeah. see the remedy for our brokenness all at once. And, um, it's just the, the thing that we live. I, by. I've heard the illustration before and I've actually used it, um, teaching students kind of why the Bible is important. Um, as compared to the wisdom of our culture, yeah. compared to the scripture, the the wisdom of the world actually cuts us as well, but it hacks away things in a very violent, very like you don't need this, you don't need this, mm-hmm. you don't need you know this attribute of holiness. You know, you know it kind of cuts away at us, actually harms us. Mm-hmm. Whereas scripture is like a as it's God's tool for healing us, like a right. doctor with a scalpel. It still cuts and it still makes incisions and makes yes. corrections. But it does so for our healing, actually, for our betterment. It removes right. cancers, right? You know, yeah. It's it's the doctor who who breaks the bone to set the bone so that it doesn't exactly. heal, you yeah. know, lame. Right. Um, that's the word of God, and it's it's crucial. Yeah. Um, you know, to the Christian life. So my number two was corporate worship, mm-hmm. um, which you said you know earlier would probably be one of your you know if not top five one of the honorable mentions. Yeah. It's so crucial. It's so crucial for us. Why? Josh, you lead worship, you you know, lead, you preach on Sundays. Why do you think, um, why would you say corporate worship is is important for the Christian life? Yeah, I, I think there's there's multiple re- reasons for that. Um, let's see, uh, you know, we talked about assembling and community, yeah. and, and s- some of these rhythms start to kind of overlap a little bit. Exactly. Um, you know, when I think of corporate worship, co- corporate worship, I, I'm mainly thinking of the reality of of assembling together and being with God's people, sitting under God's word, um, you know, uh, and I, I think corporate worship as a body, um, the, the, the really important aspect of that is there's a strength that I get 
from seeing other believers um, lifting up praises yes. to God. Yes. Um, you know, there is a sense in which uh, we're in a battle, in a war, and I need yeah. to see that there's other people around me yes. that are, you know, championing that call, that are that are lifting up praises to God. And you think about, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, as they would go into battle, they would literally send the musicians and the singers and the, of songs yeah. ahead yeah. because it it does something. And so there's a lot of times when a Christian may just feel broken down in their spirit and they feel defeated. And it's one thing to turn on the radio and hear a song. It's another thing to sit in assembly of other Christians yes. and sing, it is well with my soul. Oh, 100%. It's a completely different reality. And when you walk out from that, you're strengthened for the battle. Yeah. You know, well, so what I was thinking about, because I put this pretty high on my list, it's my number two. Uh, what, it, what corporate worship and gathering you know, on Sundays reminds me of is that this is so much bigger than me. Um, it kind of reminds me of the bigness of God. So true. Because you know, I think day to day we get caught up in our failures, our distractions. And, and when I gather with other believers, it it shows me that it's not just about me, but that God's about building something that I'm a part of that. That actually he's, he's lovingly pulling us into something. That's not just, here's your prescription to live your best life. Now here is this kingdom that you're becoming increasingly a part of and helping me build. Yeah. One of the things I love to encourage Sunday morning worshipers often, um, you know, and, and, and what I have in my mind as a worship leader is the reality that they are struggling with personal realities. Yes. But the thing that I want to do is actually get them to quit thinking about their personal realities and think about a corporate reality that they're involved in. Yes. And a lot of times I'll, I'll go to Revelations and I'll, I'll, I'll read the, you know, the passage that talks about you know, the, the 24 elders falling down and casting their crowns and, and day and night you know, they fall down and they say, holy, holy, holy. Yes. And, and I talk about how as we worship this Sunday morning, we're joining this corporate reality that, that goes on 24-7. We're a part of something yeah. really big and glorious here that's bigger than our problems. Yes. And, and kind of putting our heart and our mind on that is, uh, is so helpful. And mm-hmm. so if you're a Christian you know, out there and you think, um, you know, I can do this Christian walk solo on my own, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just encourage you uh, to reconsider that. Yes. There are so many helpful things that God gives to us, graces that he gives to us in the midst of community. Can yeah. God speak to you with you alone in your Bible? Mm. Absolutely he can. Yeah. Yeah. But why withhold yourself from these graces that he gives Absolutely. through his body? Are there, is the church perfect? No, there's, there's all kind of issues with the church. But, but God, in spite of those things, yeah. works and moves in mighty ways in his church. Yeah, so we end with our number ones. Of course, we've already talked about these in some way. Uh, and I think it's fitting that we kind of go back to prayer is your number one. My number yeah. one was Bible reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're exactly right. We can get so caught up in, well, I've got to individually pray. I've got to individually read my Bible and God's going to meet me there and he will. But, uh, one of the things we're emphasizing here is this idea of with, right? Not, don't just pray by yourself, pray with others, yep. read your Bible with others. Uh, these habits are not just meant for uh, us, meant for us to be, you know, used or prescribed as duties. We right. mentioned earlier, these are delights of our Christian life that actually benefit us and benefit our growth in the Lord. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up right there. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the High View Podcast. Go ahead and leave us a nice five-star rating and review. And hey, if you want to find us on Instagram, uh, you can look up our church, High View Church, or you can uh, find us on Facebook. Let us know if maybe you want to add some things to this list, if there are some other habits that have benefited your Christian life. If you want to join this conversation, you can find us there. Uh, But we hope to see you next time.